Here's something interesting. It may be mind-boggling to think about how 1960s technology was able to land a man on the moon, but just think of the kind of tech it will take to send human beings to Mars. Hi there, I'm Chris Oaks. Welcome to the Here's Something Interesting podcast, where we talk to interesting people with interesting things to say about interesting subjects. We're going to follow up today on this weekend's podcast, this past weekend's podcast, uh, all about the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Uh, as a postscript to that, you know, one of the things that everyone was talking about during all of the hubbub over the 50th anniversary of the moon landing was the fact that we were able to put a man on the moon using the technology of the 1960s. Remember, it wasn't even until 1972, three years after the moon landing, that the majority of Americans even owned a color television. Think about that. But just like it was there to develop the critical systems of the Apollo missions, IBM continues to shape the future of space exploration. And joining us is Matthias Biniok, IBM Watson architect and the lead for Project Simon. And Matthias, before we look ahead, let's look back a little bit again, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Talk a little bit about IBM's role in those early days of NASA and the Apollo program. Yeah, sure. So um, IBM played a big role in the Apollo program. Um, so, for example, 4,000 IBMers were involved in wow. the um, actually in the implementation of hardware and software in the collaboration with NASA for the Apollo 11 mission. So, lots of people, and also um, the hardware and software being used for the ground station for data analysis and all the ca- calculations going on. And also within the Saturn V rocket, actually, were built by IBM. So we actually shrunk a mainframe size of a refrigerator <laughs> down to the size of uh, a suitcase, put them on board of this spaceship um, to guide the astronauts safely through space to moon and then back to Earth. And, of course, uh, much of that technology then, of course, paves the way for what we have Today, So this is another example of the space program really contributing to everyday life. Exactly, exactly. And the fun fact is that uh, in your smartphone right now, you have more computing power yeah. than there was on the full Apollo 11 mission. Yeah, uh, that's I've, I've heard that before, that we have uh, more computing power in the palm of our hand than all of NASA had back then to send a man to the moon. How is the technology of today and the evolving technology that we talk about today, such as artificial intelligence, which is far Far from being a finished product, obviously. I mean, this is still a work in progress. How is all of this being used in space right now? Yeah, so we are already using uh, these kind of technologies. Uh, for example, our IBM Watson technology, which is an artificial intelligence component by IBM. We are using that in the space exploration. For example, last year we sent the first autonomously free-flying robot with artificial intelligence on the International Space Station. Hmm. His name is Simon. It stands for Crew Interactive Mobile Companion. And he's actually a companion for these astronauts up there. He's helping them with their daily tasks, doing their experiments, and so on. So he's really an assistant to the astronauts. And what do you see as the future of this type of technology, this next wave of technology that will be contributing to space exploration? 
so artificial intelligence will definitely play a big role in this game. Um, artificial intelligence will be used when we are going back to Moon, when we are going on to Mars. Uh, that's really a, a key technology here. Um, on the other hand, there are other technologies that could be very relevant. So, for example, supercomputing, of course, but also something like edge computing and blockchain are already being used and already being implemented for different use cases in the space industry. What do you see as the biggest challenge? You were talking about uh, how uh, at Apollo, uh, the Apollo program, shrinking a mainframe computer down to the size of a suitcase. I mean, that had to be, at the time, a huge logistical challenge to do. What, when you talk about you know, the the idea of returning to the moon or going on to Mars within our lifetime, which now appears to be the goal. What do you see as the biggest challenge to being able to do that? The technology that will be needed, but does not yet exist. Yeah, so um, I think the biggest challenge will be First of all, the collaboration of all these different um, parties in the game. So we need to collaborate. We need to team up and work together to make that happen. I think this is one of the key organizational aspects that we need to look at. And on the, on the other hand, the technology for um, assisting the astronauts, for example, that's already there. What we need to do is we need to um, kind of adjust that to the space industry. We need to put it um, onto the spaceships. And then, of course, we need to make sure that the AI that we are using is first of all transparent and then of course um, also trusted so that we can actually know and uh, understand what the AI is doing, what the results are and how we can influence these results. I think this is really key for the AI part of the space industry. And with respect to that, we spent a lot of time over the past week talking about the the, the way this is being done today is obviously with a lot of commercial investment. You've got for-profit companies like SpaceX and Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic, uh, which are uh, entering. It's not just NASA anymore. With respect to leveraging all of this technology and bringing it all together, as you say, does the fact that we uh, have so many more players and more commercial players in the game now, does that make it more or less of a challenge to actually develop all of these technologies and make these things happen? I think there's no yes or no answer here, so uh, it's kind of both. It, of course, it's less challenging because we have more players that can develop more stuff, that have more resources working on it, so uh, this is very good. On the other hand, of course, you need to coordinate all the different players. You need to collaborate uh, with them, and you, need, you have this organizational aspect that I was talking about. So I think it's kind of both, but it definitely helps focusing on our goal um, of pushing the boundaries of humankind. Mm. Fascinating to talk about the technology 
uh, side of this and again our future aspirations in space as we kind of uh, put a postscript on the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 uh, over the weekend. Again, uh, Matthias Biniok, IBM Watson architect and the lead for Project Simon that we were talking about just a moment ago. Where do folks learn more about all of this that is going on with respect to the technology and IBM's role in the future of human beings in space? You, you can go actually to newsroom.ibm.com slash Apollo to get all the information about our involvement in the Apollo 11 mission, uh, in other missions, and of course, a lot of information about the Project Simon. Fascinating stuff. Matthias, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. A lot there to think about, a lot to dream about. And if you found this topic interesting, as always, we can discuss it on the Here's Something Interesting Facebook page at Something Interesting Podcast. I hope to meet up with you there. I am Chris Oaks. And if you enjoy the Here's Something Interesting Podcast, be sure to subscribe now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. You can like our Facebook page and share it with your friends as well. Please do. They might find this stuff interesting as well. Until next time, thanks for listening.